Refresh. Oh, yeah. Good Monday morning, guys. It's your boy, the Muffin Man, coming back at you again with another episode of Refresh Podcast, where Christ goes before so we can bring you another refreshing word. This has been such a transforming weekend. Um, God has really just moved in, in such a spectacular way. Like, um, truly, truly, um, you just have um, no idea. Um, it has just been so great. I... Um, I am super excited to brag on King Jesus tonight. Um, we're going to be resuming our brand new series, That Is Who You Are, uh, episode two. Before we get this party started, I'm a firm believer of reconciliation. And so uh, I just want to do a shout out right fast for a really good friend of mine. So, uh, Crystal, if you're listening to this, um, I really hope this podcast episode comes across to you. Um, I first off just want to tell you that I love you so much. I love you a lot. Um, God has a huge plan for your life, um, that whatever you're going through, I know that you're going to make it out of the other side of it simply because the truth of the matter is this, that pain is temporary, but giving up is forever. And you got to go through the valley to get to the mountaintop. So I'm praying for you and I'm believing that God is just going to do spectacular things for you. Um, yeah, so I really just wanted to express that, guys, and really just get that out there before we get this rolling. Like I said, I firmly believe in reconciliation, and so, um, yeah. So I hope everybody's been off to such an incredible start so far on this Monday morning. A lot of people, um, their jobs have been shut down with the whole corona scare, and um, so there's a lot of people that have a lot of free time. So what better way? to spend some of your downtime than with your good old pal, the Muffin Man on the Refresh Podcast. So uh, let's go ahead and pray, and then we're going to brag on King Jesus. God, I just thank you so much for granting us this opportunity, Lord, to just reflect on your greatness. God, I pray that you'd prepare our hearts and our ears to receive a word from you. God, so much revelation today. And God, I pray that you would just help us to take what we learn, to take what we talk about today, and that we can apply it and use it in our lives in such a spectacular way. Father, we love you. We give you the highest praise in Jesus' name. Amen. This podcast episode could really, really not come at such a better time as this. Um, this past week, I've really, really have just evolved into such an incredible place, uh, realizing an urgency and an awareness for people in our world right now that really just need solid truth. That really just need to know who Jesus is, especially during this time. A lot of people are scared. A lot of people are looking for truth. And a lot of people are looking for comfort. And they're looking for it in all the wrong things. Sorry, guys. If you buy all the two-ply toilet paper, that will not comfort you. <laughs> that will just comfort your tush for a wee bit moment. <laughs> so um, today, well, last week we did our first episode of That Is Who You Are. And it was talking about the waymaker, and we talked about how God was a waymaker, and He makes a way when it feels like there are none. So, if you know the worship song very well, then you will know that this week is Miracle Worker. And so, basically, what I've done is I went through the entire Gospel of John, and and I've uh, picked out um, a few miracles. I really wish I could talk about every single miracle that Jesus has done in this time of ministry. Um, but I only have 30 minutes um, maximum that I could use on 
Anchor FM. So um, we do know that the Bible says that not even all of the miracles that Jesus performed in his time of being here was recorded, because if it was, it would have filled up every book that ever existed on this face of this earth. So um, I'm going to do my absolute best not to geek out too hard and to try to cover all of these miracles within this time frame. Um, so do follow along with me. Um, let's, let's just jump into this. We're going to have a great time. So the first miracle I have right here is seeing Nathaniel before Nathaniel sees him. This could be found in John chapter 1, verse 48. And so in John chapter 1, Jesus is going and calling and recruiting and basically building his team of followers, building his disciples. And among the first disciples to be um, selected is Nathaniel. And Jesus sees Nathaniel before Nathaniel ever, ever sees him. And I thought this was such a great miracle to start off with um, because it's a miracle. We overlook it because, you know, oftentimes we classify miracles as uh, somebody's life being changed forever because they were sick or because they had um, some spiritual torment, some, some demonic activity in our life. But it is definitely a miracle for Jesus to have seen Nathaniel far before Nathaniel ever saw him. And it definitely changed Nathaniel's mindset about Jesus because whenever Philip said, yay, hey, uh, Nathaniel, um, you know, we found the Messiah and we're going to follow him and we're going to learn from him. Uh, Nathaniel's like, he came out of where? He came out of Nazareth? What? Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Like Nathaniel was um, so appalled um, because he was like, there's no way anything good can come out of Nazareth. And, um, sometimes we get in that mindset. Um, you know, sometimes we lose sight of the prize. Um, sometimes our circumstances happen and we're like, God, I, th I thought you were a God. I thought you, you were in control of everything. But the truth of the matter is that Jesus sees the bigger picture whenever we don't. And sometimes it's hard for us to see the bigger picture because we have a small pixel of the picture. We have to trust that Jesus knows what he's doing. How rude of us. How rude are we? Jesus, you don't know what you're doing. Jesus is like, boy, you better chill out. <laughs> the next miracle we're going to look at is the wedding at Cana, and that is in John chapter 2. And this is um, oftentimes highlighted as Jesus' first major miracle of his ministry. Jesus is at this wedding with his disciples. And uh, Mary, his mother, comes up to him and says, Jesus, oh, no, you got to help us. They're out of wine at this wedding. And Jesus says, woman, my hour has not yet come. Now, um, as, as many speakers have pointed out before, Jesus is the only person that can get away with saying woman. But you also have to understand he's not saying it in a disrespectful manner here. And in fact, this is actually the first time he refers to Mary as woman. Uh, this is an indication that he he is separating himself from um, the motherhood of Mary, and he's stepping into the role as the Son of God. And so Jesus tells his disciples to bring the containers that are used for washing feet to him and uh, to fill it with water first. And then he says uh, to bring it to the server of the wedding. And that takes a lot of faith. I preached that at a school once that I'm sure it took a lot of faith for those guys to bring a container that people would use to wash your feet in 
uh, full of water and present it to somebody as wine. Like, hey, here's this wine. Here you go. And But it took a lot of faith, but they did it because they believed that Jesus wouldn't steer them wrong, and, and they were right. That whenever they scooped up the water, it, it had turned into wine, and they were like, wow, this is incredible wine. Like, this is the best I've ever had. And they even go on to say that most people and, and, and most weddings that they would go to, that they would bring out the best wine first and get everyone drunk. And once everybody was drunk and in good spirits, they bring out the worst wine because nobody really cared if wine was bad after they were drunk. They just wanted to be drunk. But you saved the best for last. And um, this is significant here. There's so many things significant here going on. Um, first and foremost is Jesus overrides time because it's a timely process to ferment grapes and to crush them and to press them and, and, and to turn them into wine. But Jesus overrides the entire time frame that it takes to do that. He does that by simply just water the wine <laughs> instantly. Um, another thing to see here is um, there's some imagery here between the differences of Satan and Jesus. You see, Satan in his in his schemes and, and everything that he does, he he gives the best things first, and he gives the worst things last. That's exactly how sin is. Uh, whenever we are involved with sin, and whenever we are actively sinning, that we get the pleasure first. And then there's consequences after, there's convictions after, there's shame after, there's there's all of these things that that are absolutely terrible after we have the good thing first. But when we have life with Christ and, and we have Jesus, that we face all of the tough things first. You know, we face persecution, we 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 face people mocking us and making fun of us, you know, we we, we face all of these things that, that Jesus faced long before we ever did. But we have a greater reward in the end, and that's everlasting life. And that's a future that once we come to terms of salvation with Christ, that we will rise up with him whenever he comes back for us again in the end. So moving on to the next miracle is John chapter 4. And that's healing the nobleman's son. Now I included this one because this one is, uh, this one is a miracle that a lot of people may not know exists exactly, but um, essentially this is what it is. Is um, I'm sorry, guys. One sec. Test one two. Cool, cool, cool. All right. Sorry about that. Um, I couldn't hear myself. <laughs> Had to turn up my mic a wee bit. All right. Cool. So. Um, the reason I included the healing of the nobleman's son is because this is a miracle that is often overlooked, and a lot of people don't really um, know about it. They know about Jairus' daughter, but they don't really know about the nobleman's um, son. So um, something similar, you know, the, the nobleman comes to Jesus, and he says, Hey, uh, my son is dying. My son is fatally ill, and I really just need you to come and heal him. And Jesus says that it's not going to come to pass unless people see signs and they see wonders. And, you know, um, and he's like, no, I really, really need your help. And Jesus says, all right, go ahead and leave. Your son will be healed. The nobleman did not question it a second time. And in fact, he actually goes on believing on the word that Jesus had given him. 
So he goes forward and his servants and he says, hey, he says, how is my son doing? And there's all oh, his fever broke. He is much better. And he asked about what hour was it whenever he recovered. And whenever they told him the time, he, he measured the time. And it was the same time frame that he had asked Jesus for healing. And Jesus said that it is done. See, Jesus healed his son within that same exact moment that in an instant, when Jesus said, go, your son will be healed. He believed on it and it happened. That is a childlike faith measurement right there. We need to believe. And I really believe that the body of Christ needs to get back to this place where we believe on something instantly that whenever God says, Hey, I'm going to do this. We need to say, okay, God, I believe you're going to do that. And we stand on that word. And then we watch the things that we're seeking. We watch the things that we're asking for happen. I'm not saying go and find some lamp and rub it and, and ask and make all these ridiculous requests because God's not going to honor something that's going to steal you away from him. God's not going to honor something that's going to bring destruction and, and, and reckless living to your life. You know, we cause those things upon ourselves. We, we bring those things upon ourselves and then we usually tend to blame God and give him the responsibility for it. I'm sorry, friend, but that's not exactly how this works. Next miracle we're going to talking about is feeding the 5,000 in John chapter 6. And once again, the reason I use the Gospel of John is because I really like the way that John highlights Jesus. See, John highlights Jesus a little differently from the other apostles and the authors of the Gospels because John focuses on Jesus as the God-man. And you can find these miracles in other parts of the Gospels, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, um, but we're just focusing in John. John chapter 6, feeding the 5,000. This is a multitude of people that follow Jesus. Um, whenever he is coming into the place that they are. And the disciples are like, make them leave, man. Like, you know, <laughs> get rid of all these people, Jesus. And Jesus is like, nah, man, like, we're going we're gonna to feed them. Like, what do you have? What do you have to offer? And then uh, one disciple was like, oh, do we have all this money? Can we really feed these guys? And he's, Jesus is like, man, where's your faith? Where's your faith? So they gathered up the, the fish and, and the bread, and Jesus did the rest. And uh, let me go pull up the scripture a wee bit because I want you to see something here. But Jesus had saw this lost crowd, and he began performing for those who were sick. He began healing, and, um, you know, he was just so filled with compassion that he wanted to feed them. He didn't want to turn them away without feeding them. So they had two fish and five loaves of bread. So I want you to see that. They had five loaves of bread and two fish. So I'm asking you here, right here, right now, what is your five loaves and your two fish? What do you have to offer? Because, guys, let me, let me just show you something about this miracle. Five loaves of bread and two fish. And Jesus broke it. He took the bread and he gave thanks and he distributed to all that were sitting. And when they were full, when they were satisfied, they gathered up the leftovers and they had 12 baskets full. 12 baskets of leftovers. So I want you to see that they offered 
five loaves of bread and two fish because that's all that they had to offer. And Jesus did the rest. When you bring what you have to offer and you bring it to Jesus, he can do something with it. So don't you ever, from this moment forward, think that what you have to offer is so small and insignificant. Because I'm sure that the disciples felt like five loaves of bread and two fish wasn't going to do a whole lot of anything. But when Jesus gave thanks to the Father, and that's the key right there, when you bring what you have to offer and you give thanks to the Father, he can do something with that. And they had 12 baskets of leftovers. What does that mean? It means Jesus supports leftovers. So eat your leftovers. Don't let them go bad. Lazarus's resurrection in John chapter 11. This is absolutely one of my favorite uh, miracles because it's such a powerful scenario going on that Lazarus and Lazarus's family, which is Martha and Mary, um, a family that Jesus had spent a lot of time with on his time on earth um, in fellowship, you know, um, spending time with Lazarus and hanging out with him, um, delivering Mary from demonic possession. So she's in debt to Jesus for in the rest of her life. And, and, you know, Martha is always trying to cook the best meal for Jesus, trying to make sure her house looks super gangster for Jesus to chill out. Um, Mario was hanging out at his feet and Lazarus and Jesus always chatting it up. Um, you know, word gets to Jesus while he's, he's out of town that Lazarus had a, a very full, oh, excuse me guys. That was weird. Mike just like paused and I was like, what? But you know, we see that, um, Lazarus at the end of chapter 10, word gets to Jesus, um, I want to make sure I say this right. I'm so sorry, guys. You guys still with me? Isn't this good stuff? Isn't this good stuff? So this is actually in John chapter 11 that they send word to Jesus because Lazarus got really, really sick. He got fatally ill. And when Jesus has heard that, he said the sickness is not the end of death, but for the glory of God and the Son of Man. And so when Jesus heard that Lazarus had gotten sick, he actually stayed two days longer than where uh, in the place that he was. And after that, he said, okay, let us go now. The disciples said, uh, <laughs> the disciples just didn't get it. They, they were like, now, you know, the Jews were, were just taking the stone you and you're going there again. Like they didn't understand. Like, why would you go back to the place that people were trying to stone you, Jesus? We don't understand. And Jesus says um, in verse 11, he says, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go that I may wake him out of his sleep. The disciples then said, Lord, if we have fallen asleep, he will recover. Now, Jesus had spoken of death, but they thought that he was speaking of literal sleep. So Jesus then said plainly, Lazarus is dead, and I am glad for your sakes that I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. So Jesus is basically saying that this is for the glorification of God, and for your sakes, I'm really glad that I wasn't there when it happened, because if I would have been there, um, Lazarus would have not fallen ill, Lazarus would have not have died, and you are about to witness a great move of faith. Jesus finally arrives to the scene, and whenever he does, you know, first he starts with Martha comes out. It's like, Jesus, if only you were here sooner, my brother would have not died. I thought you were so awesome. 
but you just let him die. And uh, <laughs> that's basically what happened. And, uh, you know, so he says, whoa, 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 Martha, 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 your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. But Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. And he who believes in me will live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And even he who comes into the world, when she has said this, she went away. And then Mary comes in and starts all over again. She falls at Jesus' feet. And she's like, Jesus, if only you were here sooner. And then Jesus saw her weeping, and then the people that were there consoling them came out, and they were also weeping. And when this happened, Jesus was deeply moved in spirit, and he was troubled. So pause, freeze frame. I know we're running out of time, but check this. Um, a lot of times we read in the scripture here that Jesus wept, because that's what 35 says, Jesus wept. Um, Jesus is not crying out of sadness. Jesus came with the intentions to resurrect and call life back into Lazarus's body. If he was crying out of sadness right here, he would be shutting down his entire mission. He'd be bringing contradiction. And we see that in scripture, Jesus says that a house divided against itself cannot stand. So Jesus is not crying out of agony and pain. Jesus is crying out of the simple fact that nobody around him gets what he is there to do. He is Jesus. He's here to resurrect. So then he goes on to say, Lazarus, come forth. He calls him by name. Lazarus, uh, they remove the stone and Lazarus is resurrected. So the reason Jesus calls him by name is simply because if he were to say Lazarus, if you were, if you were simply to say that, you know, come forth, then he would have resurrected every person that was dead in that area. And that's the power that our Jesus possesses in his very being. And the last miracle that I want to focus on is in John 20, Jesus is alive. Jesus overcame the crucifixion. Jesus was beaten. He was bruised. He was despised. He was rejected. He was spit on. His beard hair was ripped out. He, he had a crown of thorns shoved on his head. Um, they, they knelt his hands and his feet to a, a criminal's cross. They, they, you know, he, he turned in his, his spirit into God's hands. He, he quoted the prophecies and, and, you know, he accepted one of the criminals into paradise with him. And um, throughout this entire time frame, they, they pierced him with a spear and he dies, but he overcame. And three days later, he rose again. And this is the gospel. This is the power that we dwell on, that we live on, and that we stand on is that Jesus overcame death, hell, and the grave. That he left an empty tomb, that he came back, and that he switched places. He went up to heaven, but he left us the power of his Holy Spirit, the spirit that will empower us, that will teach us, that will comfort us, that will bring us to a place uh, of healing and, and understanding and wisdom and will remind us of all the words that Jesus has spoke here on earth. In John 14, 12, Jesus assures us that when we become believers, that whenever we sell out our lives to God, that we will do what he did and more, that actually we will do what he did and greater. And that's what that means is more, not better. See, Jesus's ministry was three years. And a lot of us have been in ministry longer than three years. And we haven't even done nearly as much as anything as Jesus has done because we're just warming the chair. We're just warming the bench. We're just not doing what we should be doing. 
guys, this is a pivotal moment, guys. This is an important time. The world is falling apart, and they need hope. They need Jesus to wove it back together, that the sins that they're running to, that the comforts they're running to, that the things that they're wasting their time with is not going to do it any good. You can smoke all the cigarettes you want, and you're not going to get anywhere. You're not going to find any comfort or peace. You can drink as much alcohol as you want, and your problems are still going to be there. You can have sex as much as you want with all of these super hot, super amazing people, but you're going to always be empty and consumed by shame and guilt. You can log on to pornography all you want, but you're just not going to find that pleasure you're looking for. You can go to drugs. You're not going to find the high you're looking for. It never ends, guys. And the only thing, the only person that will ever satisfy your needs is Jesus. And he has a great plan and a great purpose for your life. And these are some of the greatest miracles and moments that he has ever accomplished in his ministry. Guys, when we become believers and we sell out our hearts to him, we will do all of these things and more. And we will begin to see these things occur in our life that we're going to be reminded of times that God sees us before we even saw him. We're going to be reminded that we will go through trials. We will go through suffering, but there is a greater reward for us at the end. We will know that when Jesus gives us a word, when God gives us a word, that if we believe on it and we do not let go of it, that it will come to pass. That in our times of hunger and thirsting and craving for his righteousness, that he will feed us. That there's times where we will feel like we've been dead, like we've been um, just consumed by the things of life, but he will resurrect us. And most importantly, out of all of these things, that he is alive, that we serve a God is alive. These guys like Buddha and Muhammad and, and you know, um, all of these other religious icons are not alive, but our God is alive. He overcame death. He overcame the limitations. He overcame the persecution. And this is the power that we dwell on, that he is a miracle worker. What is your miracle that you're seeking today? Is this something that we we mentioned right now? I want to pray for you. Father, I just thank you so much for this amazing episode. God, I thank you that you are the miracle worker. God, I thank you that miracles are not a thing of the past, but they are a thing of the now. God, that we just have to position ourselves where you are. Father, if we're not seeing miracles, it's because we're not looking for miracles. God, I pray that you'd help us to begin to see miracles in our lives. God, you can help us to come to a place, Lord, where we begin to see miracles happen in our lives because we are looking through your eyes and we're no longer focused on our own. God, I pray that you would help us to see all of these things begin to surface in our lives. God, I thank you that you've said that when we become believers, we would do what you've done and greater and more. God, I pray that you'd help us operate in this power. God, I just speak healing. I speak empowerment over all of your people, especially during this time of, of, of the spirit of fear that has really just consumed people. God, I just command um, this spirit to be lifted and to be defeated. God, we cast out the spirit of fear in Jesus' name. God, you are power. God, you are love. And there is truly no one like you in all this earth. And God, we give you the utmost praise for you deserve it. You are worthy of it all. And we give you the highest praise, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Woo! I know this is a super duper huge episode, but man, I could geek out on Jesus all day. I don't know about you. So if you've endured the entirety of this episode, then kudos to you. High five to you, my friend. Um, This has been Refreshed Podcast where Christ goes before so we can bring you another refreshing word. I cannot wait to be back with you next week for episode three of That Is Who You Are. With that being said and done, this is your boy, the Muffin Man, saying keep it fresh, have a good day, and God bless. Love you guys. Take it easy. Don't be cheesy and be safe. God's got you.